1: Everybody, and welcome to the Forbes. Back to one of my favorite hours of the week. I thank you so much for joining me. Um, and you know, it's funny, um, I am fixated with being successful. What does that mean? I mean, I go to bed every night and think, wow. And, and it's, it's funny because I'm talking about success is not happiness, but happiness is definitely a key to success. And so when we talk about this, how do you rise to a certain level? What is the mentality? What is the thought patterns? What are the habits? What do you do every day? to rise above the noise, to experience a level of excellence in your life. I'm gonna give you my top five and I'm gonna introduce you to some amazing guests today. I've got some pretty badass women. Can I say that on television? Yeah, I can. Um, So the five things that I think about every day when I wake up is, well, one, before I go to bed, I make a list of the things I'm thinking of. I have to brain dump what's in my mind. Otherwise, I find that I can't sleep. And maybe you're like me. But I have discovered through hypnotism and a lot of mental work that if I release all that on a piece of paper, think about what I'm doing tomorrow, and then literally relax, take a breath, say I'm going to sleep, which is part of my hypnotist training, count backwards from 10. You know, I can now go to sleep in about 15 seconds. It is so exciting. So I'm going to urge you, if you want to know more about how I do that, check me out on Facebook. I have a beautiful Facebook inner circle called the Millionaire Maker Inner Circle. And I talk about some of these techniques because if you can master your mind, you can master everything. And then number two, when I wake up, I have a goofy sense of gratitude. I open my eyes and I remember for that moment. I mean, think about it. When you wake up, what do you think about? What's the first thing I can remember? It's like, oh my God, it's Monday. No, or going to my mother's bed when I was little and she was always in a bad mood. And she st- she would say that, oh, I'm terrible before my coffee. And I'm like, never wanted to do that. And so I constantly make a decision that went out open my little eyeballs and look up going, cool, we're still on this side of the dirt. We're still here. And I marvel at being alive. I truly take a moment every day to marvel at being alive. Uh, I've lost lots of friends. I don't know what the alternative is. I don't want to know for a very long time. But I have been in pain. I've woken up in hospitals. I know what, I know what it's like when it's not wonderful. And we even just had COVID. Oh my God, worst week of my life. This last week was just horrible. And then I fell down and have a goose egg on my head. Trust me, waking up is better than not waking up. Number two, do you move every day? Every single day. I just got, and if you want more information about this, a vibrating plate. I'm excited to have this guy on my show. He is the star of Pawn Stars and Doc Phineas. And he texts me. He said, Forbes, I've been doing this thing. I feel 10 years younger and I'm like, eh sent me a photo. I'll tell you what. It's like, dude. So I have been doing this particular version of this every day. And I think I'm like, you know, I feel good. It's like, why well, this is kind of cool. So moving, I'll go to the gym. I'll do my spin gym. I'll walk. You got to move. I can remember times when I didn't want to. I remember times rolling out of bed and like just going to work. Don't do that. Take that moment. The next thing is what is your nutritional thing for the day? What do you eat? What do you, vitamins do you put in your body? What are you drinking? Got to tell you something. There's a myth going around about drinking all this water. Don't do it. You don't want to drink just water. You want to drink electrolytes in your water. Otherwise, you are peeing out all the good stuff. Again, you want to know more about that? Come hang out with me. And then number five, do something wonderful every day. I don't care what it is. Pick up the phone. Call somebody you haven't called. Pay for somebody at Starbucks. Read a book. Do just something wonderful. And I go, okay, did something wonderful. I can move on with my day. And I find if I don't do that, that, you know, it's just not as good. All right. If you're watching this show live, though, by the way, I will be in Greece. I'm pre-recording this show. So I'm going to watch it along with you and see if I'm still doing those things on vacation. That's, by the way, a bonus thing. When's the last time you took a vacation? So my first guest I met kind of on a quasi-vacation. I'm not sure if you're supposed to combine work and vacation, but we did. There was a thing called the marketer cruise, and I invited so many people, I got to go for free. I'll tell you what, it was kind of crazy. It was January, my second time, January, right before COVID. And I'll tell you a quick little story. My Joshua, at the beginning of that month in January had the worst motorcycle accident, hit by a car, was in a wheelchair and the doctor said, oh, you shouldn't go on a cruise. And in my little mind, I'm thinking, why not? You can sit at home or you can sit on the deck of a boat and have some sunshine. Well, you know what? And I don't know if my first guest knows this, but we're wheeling Joshua onto the boat and you're supposed to wheel people down a ramp like backwards while well, he was going forward, hit a bump and went flying out of the chair onto his broken ribs and his foot. And it was this moment of, oh, God, what did I do? And he was cool enough to go, I'm going to go to the room where he spent most of that week, by the way. And it was not a good thing. Um and I will tell you, then the pandemic started, and it was a crazy year for us, and I haven't seen her since then. So I'm going to bring to the stage my first guest, and then in my second break, I'll introduce my second guest. But right now, let's bring Dr. D. Collins, who is a speaker, author, all-round amazing woman. And I, how do I do this? Oh, there she is. I'll go to this the view, the gallery view.
2: Hello, my girl. How are you? Hello there, Forbes. Thank you so much for bringing me on. Thank you for taking me back to those wonderful memories or the wonderful memories of the vacation part of the Marketers Cruise and also the business connecting. So sorry for what you guys are going through, but I remember how largely you impacted me because I said they are absolute champions for coming on this thing in spite of everything that was going on. And I got to meet you. So it was one of the greatest Marketers Cruises of my life. Oh well, thank you. No, we had never met before. Is that the deal? Oh, for everybody. We hadn't met before the Marketers Crew, so that was my first experience uh, experiencing Forbes Riley. Oh, all right. What was that experience? Because it's not. Like, oh, my goodness! It was shock and awe. <laughs> Definitely, um, you know, you command the stage. Uh, you take authority and you demand other people to take authority. So people who were sitting down after they came into contact with you were standing up in their boldness, in their brilliance. And I will never forget that.
1: Oh, well, you are very, very kind. Um, what drew you? Well, let's just start with tell but tell a little bit about you. I see the boss lady thing behind you.
2: Um, yes.
1: Yeah. Um, well, okay, I,
2: um, I have a few things going on. I have some events coming up. But when people ask me to introduce myself, one thing that I would like to do is share this quote by Edward Teller. Um, Edward Teller was a Hungarian-American theoretical physicist and he's known as the father of the hydrogen bomb. He helped create the hydrogen bomb. But he came up with this quote that has always impacted me. And it says, when you come to the end of all the light you know and it's time to step into the darkness of the unknown, Faith is knowing that one of two things shall happen, that either you will be given something solid to stand on in the darkness or you will be taught how to fly. So I'm that person that not only steps into the darkness in total faith to fly and what I'm supposed to do. And I don't know how to make a hydrogen bomb. I just know how to make people the bomb.com in their business. So that's what I do. And I also step into the darkness so that I can become a light in that darkness and show people the way to their purpose and their path.
1: Damn, D, hello. Hello. You weren't always this way though, were you?
2: No, I was not always this way. I did not own it. And as a matter of fact, another thing that I talk about because I feel like I know a lot of people have been through what they experienced as failure. And we have um, a common friend, you know, Vic Streisius, right? Of course. You know, Vic Streisand is a partner of mine, he's a mentor of mine, and he really, I was listening to one of his trainings one day, and he said, um, failure is nothing more than a lesson. And that absolutely changed my life, because I'm like, man, I've failed so many times, I've failed so many times, I'm like, am I ever going to be successful? It didn't seem like it, but I realized that failure became a prerequisite to success, And I began to look at people like Colonel Sanders, who was going to commit suicide at 65 years old and died a billionaire, you know, that had failed marriages, you know, failed career. I look at people like Steven Spielberg, who got rejected from film school three times, but is an absolute icon in the film industry, but did not give up. So (laughs) where did you grow up? I grew up in, in a suburb outside of Cleveland, Ohio. And mom and dad? Tell me about them. Yes, mom and dad. So um, my mom has uh, was my best friend in the entire world. Um, we talked every day, loved her. And she passed away back in 2009 from pancreatic cancer. She was always my number one fan. And I loved her so much that um, when she died, I didn't know how to live. Like literally. I got up every day saying I just don't even know what to do without her. But at that time, you know, from the time I was a little girl, I would go down into the basement in that Ohio home and I would make books. I I created a publishing company as a little wow. girl. And so I would sit at my dad's big steel desk and, you know, draw on paper and staple it and together and everything and my mom was like, "Oh, this is wonderful." But as I grew up, she was like, "You should publish. You should publish." And I always told her, I will, I will, and I never did. And then all of a sudden she got diagnosed with pancreatic cancer stage four, was gone six months later. My first publishing project was her obituary. So and awesome. then I published an article online. I thought nobody would read uh, was the um, pancreatic cancer from diagnosis to death, the diary of a cancer patient's daughter. Put my phone number in the article Didn't know 30,000 people were going to read this article. And then I started getting phone calls from all over the world, from the UK, from the West Indies, from all across the United States, just people saying, you inspired me. So that's when I realized uh, procrastination is a thief of dreams, but I'm not going to let it rob me anymore. So I began to take immediate action and I went on to uh, publish more books and ended up being three-time number one Amazon bestseller, which is great for the people listening because it's not that so much that i achieved it but that because i have and because i've gone through the path i can help other people do the same
1: oh my god you have just like enlightened my entire heart i am oh my god i'm actually almost speechless because i'm realizing both my parents but it's funny because i'm traveling with both my kids mckenna to start with and i'm her best friend and one of those days is like i keep thinking about what's that going to be like you know
2: oh Yes, can I can I share something with you? Um, That was a very trademark moment. It was so I was so excited to know that I was going to be on with you today. I almost couldn't sleep last night, but I I had to do the countdown too and make myself rest. But I was I didn't want to just come on and you know do like the usual of what you hear people do in this particular arena of business owners and entrepreneurs. And so I began to pray and meditate. I'm like Lord what do you want me to say with Forbes? When I get on with Forbes, Forbes Riley, what do you want me to say? I say, I need something different. I need something unique. And the answer I received is he said, what people need right now and everyone that is not only an entrepreneur but is an aspiring entrepreneur that hasn't quite made that step yet is they need love. And what I want them to do is I want them to be loved. And love stands for living our vision every day. Oh, baby girl,
1: you're a girl after my own heart. I've redefined every word there is, except I didn't do that one. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. I I redefined the word diet to be decisions I eat
3: today.
2: That changed my life too. I saw you on an interview with Vic and you said that and it changed my life. Wow! All right. Well, that's that's pretty profound. I
1: don't talk about that one enough. I redefine mom as moments of memories. I very clearly understood that you probably, as much as you loved your mom, you can remember a handful of memories. You don't remember every day. You don't remember the one time she maybe didn't make a play or that whole mom guilt bullshit that I really coach parents out of. But that's why I'm going to Europe with my daughter because I know the kind of memories that we make. In fact. It's funny, she's, she was my right arm growing up. We traveled when she was uh, eight years old to Europe for quite a long time. And we can both still remember a baked potato that we had in the theater district in London and a hamburger in France. Now that's just crazy, I know. But we have the same memory. And so that will always be with us. Isn't that funny? Oh. And by the way, my last one that I'll give you, sexy. I say sexy. You know what sexy is? Seeing excellence in yourself. Woo! Woo! I know, yeah. it. Right? i tell you what, those definitions have right. changed my life. But you're, girl, you're on fire. I mean, I'm loving,
2: I, I, your whole sensibility is brilliant. So what are you focused on now? Right now, I am, well, I, I talked about you right before we came on live that we're going to both be on this incredible summit that's actually going on right now. Uh, which is the Week of Kindness Give uh, Giveaway and Summit, Week of Kindness and Gratitude Gift Give, yes. Giveaway and Summit. And I was just looking at the numbers today. So there's like over 111 speakers. Um, they're at um, right at a thousand attendees right now, and um, I'm super excited about that. So um, I have t- two events coming up. And I have a ton of free gifts that I can't wait to give the listening audience because it's really in my heart to give out of abundance. I have realized that when I operate out of the abundance of my heart, oh, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when I operate out of the abundance of my heart, it brings great things back to me. And uh, those are the things that keep me going. This is my passion. I wanna know what can I give you? What can I do for you? What can I do to make your life better?
1: I'm going to tell you something. You sound, like,
2: you sound like a preacher to me.
1: I got to tell you, I, I, I am. how did you know? <laughs> because very rarely do I want to listen to somebody as much as I want to listen to you right now. Tell you, what, we are three minutes from my first break here on the show and I want you to meet my next guest. In fact, if you're willing to stick around, I'd love to interview her and then have a little panel discussion because she's pretty amazing. Um, and you're going to be blown away by her story. So, um, if you would stick around and cause I'm not done with you yet, but this is a woman who I, you, you know, I'm just going to say, guys, I'm not even going to say say what, what happened to her. But when we come back, we're going to hear a story that is out of your absolute worst nightmares. And yet when I look at this glowing, beautiful human being, she is thriving beyond her circumstances. And I firmly believe that life happens for you, not to you. And so this is this is des- definitely testament to that. Dee, um, we're going to give away. Tell me about the nature of your free gifts in the minute we've got before we take our first break.
2: Okay, I have developed the MVP package because you are the MVP of your own success. So I'm giving everyone a free affiliate marketing masterclass taught by the master, Vixed Rises. I'm also giving a complimentary vacation voucher to one of over 60 destinations worldwide. And you were just talking about vacations and we met on vacation. So I'm giving that away because you deserve a break. And the last thing is going to be free tickets to my three-day event coming up August 20th through the 22nd, which is Boss Lady Live, the ultimate business building boot camp.
1: Oh, my goodness. Well, that's probably like the best for you, like Santa Claus (coughs) with better hair. Um, (laughs) All right, you guys, we're going to take our first break off to commercial. Say thank you to my sponsors. You guys listen to the Forbes Factor right here on Voice America. We focus on health, wealth, and happiness. And today we are covering all three. Do not go away. Hey everybody, welcome back to Forbes Factor. All right, um, I've got two beautiful, amazing guests. I don't even know if it's politically correct to say beautiful anymore, because uh, how to describe, but I'm gonna tell you, I think it's more inside than outside. So there you go. I get to do whatever I want, it's my show. Um, but Dr. Claudine and I met Care of Clubhouse, I think one of the greatest platforms ever. When I heard her story, I immediately back-channeled her and said, come on my show and let me help you tell what, you, what you've been through to the world and how we can help. So, Dr. Claudine, welcome to the stage.
3: Oh, thank you very much for having me. I'm so blessed, grateful to be here. Thank you.
1: You are even more beautiful moving. You know, if, you have, if you're on Clubhouse, you realize that we're all little still circles, which is the only issue except that you can do your, your conversations without makeup on. All right. So, <laughs> Dr. Claudine, if you would share a bit of your story with us.
3: Sure, I survived the genocide in Rwanda. My parents were killed. My grandpa, my uncle, they were all killed. Um, my sister, she was killed. They raped her and then they cut her with the machetes. After surviving genocide, I was wondering if I would seek revenge or forgive. So I chose the path to forgive because forgiveness helped me to move forward. And then I knew before that forgiveness is an amazing tool we can use to heal ourselves. Forgiveness is not for the person I forgive. It's for me. It's a gift I can give to myself. So um, I dreamed to come to America. It was my dream. I prayed to God. I said, Lord, if you bring me to America, I will fulfill my promise, my heart desire of helping orphans. Because during the genocide, I was a teenager. I vowed to God. I was jumping over the body of the people thinking that I was going to be next one to be killed. So I vowed to God, I say, Lord, if you protect my life and I survive, I will help all things. God protected me. So dreaming to come to America, praying to God, asking God to bring me here so I can fulfill my heart desire, God did it. I was chosen between 600 applications in the world to come to America from Rwanda, Kigali to New York City, Big Apple. I was so happy to be here. So God helped me to come, and then immediately I established my charity called Why Do I Exist?
1: Well, so let's stop for one second. So one of the reasons I wanted you on is I would like everyone here in America who uses this sport of complaining about our government, whatever you want to complain about, and I want to say how blessed and lucky you are. And I think your story reminds us that those of us who are born here, you know, I am Ukrainian by birth. My grandparents are Ukrainian and escaped many, many years ago, and nobody knew where Kiev and Odessa were. No, I didn't even really talk about it because nobody knew. And now as I watch the news, my heart is shattering because of all the people who have all of their dreams completely gone. I mean, families and just their lives ripped apart. I want to go back and I really want to impress upon everybody watching what you witnessed, what you lived through, and you know... I guess for me, some days it's very challenging. I'll look at a news picture and I'll go to the grocery store and I have a hard time realizing that these two worlds are existing right now in the same planet, not in a different universe. We're not in World War II. We're in 2022 and families are, are displaced and, and being bombed by soldiers and killed and shot. It's like, all right. So you, tell me about life in Rwanda before this happened. What was your life like growing up?
3: I had a joyful life. I, full of joy. I loved my mom. I liked the fact D Collins, she said that her mother was her best friend. I was like, me too. I loved my mom. My mom, she believed in me. She always telling other women. I remember when I was like five years old. She told other women who saw me mm, 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 dancing, singing, jumping. They told my mom, you should beat this criminal Childish she make her sit down. My mom told them, leave my daughter alone. I know my daughter, she's very smart. Even if I die, she will make a living. I said, mom, tell them. So I grew up believing that I can do anything because of my mother, she was my support. She was everything for me. so now, I were, you in, were you in a town, in a village? Where, where did you physically grow up? I, go, I was born, grew up in a city capital of Rwanda, Kigari. Okay. So I had a joyful, amazing uh, childhood life. And then I was number one in school. In elementary school, I I beat the boys, I was the top. I I went to high school and then in second year of high school, that's when genocide happened. So when genocide happened- Wait, wait,
1: wait, wait, you say the word genocide, trust me, we don't really comprehend what happened. So there was an overthrow of some sort, all of a sudden soldiers showed up with guns, what happened?
3: Yeah, so what happened, it took time. But it didn't happen overnight. So government get involved to mobilize our neighbors, uh, Hutu to clear Tutsis. We are all the same. We speak one but language. No, you
1: have to, and I'm sorry, I, I make a living pitching. You just mentioned two tribes, and, and we don't realize the Tutsis. we don't, trust me in this country, I lived in Kenya for a while, and and your your sound is a little bit muffled, so I just want to make sure that we hear I don't know why it's a little bit muffled, and we're on the radio, so I want to make sure. Maybe can... I take the headphones. Yes, yes, so much better. Thank you, thank you. All right, now we can hear you. So
3: there's uh, two kind of. Is it are we calling it tribe or how do how did you say that? Usually, usually they are not tribes. They are ethnic groups. We have uh, many three. I mean, we have a three. Those was uh, set up by uh, colonialism. Belgian when they colonized our country back in the yeah back in the days. So they divided our people, what they call the divide and conquer. So they did measurement of the nose. Those who had a big nose, they told them that they are Hutu. Those who had a small nose, they called them that they are Tutsi. So that's how they established it. So you could be a Hutu, you could be the same mom, the same father, but you have, because the shape of your nose is different, so they categorize you from different group. And then it was like that. And then the children you would give birth to if you are a father, all the kids will follow you. Your sister, the children your sister will give birth to, they will follow the father, the the, the ethnic of their father. So, in my country, we speak one language, King Rwanda. We share the culture. We majority we have a ninety percent, ninety five percent Christian. Majority are Catholic, but because politicians they use, they created a the propaganda using the division which was established by Europeans. As a way of to of to take power, so they keep that as a handicap in the mind of people, that's why they used uh, doing genocide when a genocide is started. So it was- I just want to stop for it one is- a second. I,
1: I just want everyone to hear this because I think it's very, very important. I'm a polit- political science major history minor that history repeats itself. I just want to hear what you just said. That the government had a hand in dividing people completely arbitrary, which is a little bit of what it feels like is going on in this country. All of a sudden, we're looking at race and 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 gender like we've never looked at them before because of what is
3: propaganda. Yeah, and who's vaccinated, who's not. I'm afraid. I pray to God, please do not allow what happened to Rwanda happen here in America. No, I don't, because I told God, I don't want to experience the horrible second time. No, no, I don't want that to happen here.
1: Okay. So part of what you need to be very mindful of listening to this is that there are forces at work that
3: divide and conquer is a strategy to gain power. All right, keep going. Yes. Yeah, it is a strategy to gain power. And then, yeah, because one group who think that they are sympathized by the government and then by the end of the day, those group which was sympathized, they they suffer because when they finish to deal with who they wanted to get out of it, they come after you. Uh, So one day... What yeah. Happened? So one day uh, in my country, the airplane of our president shut down. It uh, was April 6. So, April uh, in the night, at April 6, I was outside praying with kids, my neighbors. I came home. They assassinated the
1: president of your country?
3: Yeah, the president of our country. His airplane shut down, it was shut down. So, when I came home, my mom, she slept my face. I said, mom, why are you beating me? She said, our president just died. I told her, so what's the problem? If the president died, we are not in the politics. What's the problem? She said, our, the Hutu, they are going to kill us. I jumped. I said, no, nobody will kill me. We are Hutu here because in the school, when I was in the elementary school, 90, 10 years old, our teacher told us that the Hutu are good people, the Tutsi are evil people, the people you cannot trust. I started that in the school. And then at that time, uh, when the teacher told us to raise our hands, I remember raising my hand among of the Hutu kids. Because uh, if the Hutu are good, that means we're supposed to be Hutu because uh, me and my mom and my family, we are good people. We take care of poor people. So we must, and we go to church, we must be among of the Hutu people. My teacher told me, no, you are Tutsi. She beat me. She raised my hand among of the Tutsi kids. I said, no, I'm not. So I went home. I was upset frustrated. I told my mama, I can't believe in my teacher called me tootsie because the tootsie are evil people according to what our teacher told called told us in history. So I grew up with that thinking because that's what teacher, you know, when you are kids, you believe everything. Get, the trust teacher, me, toots. I get it. That is exactly, that's yes. All right. So now I'm with my mother in the night, she's telling me that the Hutu are going to kill us. I said, nobody will kill me because we are Hutu. She said, no, you don't know your history. The the Hutu killed us, you are Tutsi, you are not a Hutu. I said, ma'am, no, 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 I can't be a Tutsi because the teacher told us that the evil people, I can't, I can't. So my mom told, told me that the Hutu killed us in, in 1952, the kid us in 1953, the kid us in 1962, the kid us in 1973, the kid us in 1972, this is another opportunity for them to kill us. So you have to go to hide. Now in my mind is too much. I'm like, should I believe what my mom is telling me or should I believe what my teacher told me? Because it's a completely opposite information. So I say, you know what? I don't want to lose my mind. What I have to do, I reject what my mom is telling me. I reject what my teacher told me in school. What I know for sure, I was born here. And I speak, that means at least I know that I'm a Rwandan because I was born here. So that's what I hold on to it. And then we went to hide. So the following morning, I saw soldiers. The bodyguard of the president. They came with machete, with uh, guns. Uh, how I recognize them by the uniform because they wear different different colored of uniform. So they came. They had the list of people. So they called our neighbor. The first person who were killed, our neighbor. They said they said he was a Hutu buried opposition. So the first people who were killed in the beginning of a genocide. Genocide means when the government give power to the community to the group of people to map out or to kill everybody uh, without even leaving anybody behind so so those uh bodyguard they had a list of people to keep i remember i, I saw it i remember we're outside people were saying talking to each other do you know what happened last night Our- President Airplane get shut down. They were talking, what is going to happen now? So many people had, afraid, they were, they had a fear in their eyes. We could see. And then the soldier came. They say, who's Kanimba? This name, the guy's name is Kanimba. Who's Kanimba? I remember seeing Kanimba coming outside from his house. It's like, it looks like he was having a breakfast with his family. So he came wearing his shirt, closing his shirt. He said, I'm Kanimba. So soldier say, move. And then they shoot him. And we run. And we come back, Kamimba was gone, died. That was the first person I saw who get killed. And then after, uh, they start to talk on the radio you have to kill Tutsis everywhere they are. It's not only to kill Hutus, you kill all the Tutsis. So that's how they start to pick up machetes the way mobilizing Hutus. They say if you are a good Hutu, you have to pick up machetes, kill every Tutsi. Doesn't matter if it's your relative or doesn't matter if it's your loved ones kill every touch to make sure that you kill all of them, kill even the mouse, kill even the dogs, kill even the pet, kill everything which belongs to Tutsi to make, to make sure that you kill them. So we had the idea, I was a little young to get an ID card. So they were looking, if they, they see your face, they'll see the nose, which was established by Belgian, you get killed. So even uh, they showed the ID card, Your your ID card could show that you are Hutu, but if they see your face, they're like, no, 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 we have to kill you. So that's how one day they pick me, they put machetes on my neck, they wanted to cut it. They said, she's so beautiful to be a Hutu, she's a Tutsi, because of her face. At that time, my mom, she had the ID card. She showed them, no, she's my daughter, she's not Tutsi. They said, no, they pushed my mother. They said, you just pretend to be her mom. She's a tootie, you just grab her somewhere, we have to kill her. And then uh, I never get a chance to ask my mom how she felt when they pushed her. So miracle happened, the first miracle that time. Usually when they pick you, everybody keep moving, it's not their business because uh, anybody who insists that they even know you, they pick them too. So they get, nobody wants to die on behalf of somebody. So everybody move. So when they pick me, Everybody, majority of people were together from city from capital, moving to anywhere they were telling us because they were saying, Everybody, we have to move. We don't know where we are going. We're just running. They're like, run, run, okay, stop, okay, sit down. We're doing anything they were saying. Because if you do whatever they if you do something opposite to what they were telling you, you get shot. So we're doing everything they were telling us without knowing where we're going. So usually when they pick you everybody kept moving. So that time when they picked me, the massive people stood by me. They said, no, she's a Hutu. You cannot kill her. We just come from from far away with her. You cannot kill her. My killer had the machetes on my neck. I was uh, in the circle. They said, no, this little girl, I was very tall, very skinny. They said, no, this little girl, she's a Tutu. We have to kill her. She's so beautiful to be a Hutu. She's a tutsi girl. We have to kill her right now. And then uh, my savior, the people who was with me, they had gangs. So they were convinced that she may just be a, a Hutu who looks like a Tutsi because of them. No, I, I, I,
1: we, have, we have two minutes before our, our next break and I'm, I'm captivated. I'm blown away by how much uh, that humans can look at somebody and just go, you are that, you must die. I, I can't even conceive of, of that. Um, and so your mom and dad and your sister?
3: They were killed. My mom and dad, they were killed uh after when we arrived alive to the refugee camp they were killed so yeah how my did father, my uncle the world killed
1: i just want to honor you and send some love to you uh for what you experienced and what you saw and that you need to keep sharing this story because the arbitrariness of you are a or you are b if you're b we have to kill you blows my freaking mind um we have about two minutes before our break um, how did you end up coming to this country? I want a scholarship
3: to come here. I want a scholarship to come to America. I, It was my dream. I prayed it to God. I asked God to make it happen, and then God did make what it happen. What are you doing now with your time? Uh, you my time, I help people, um, and then I raise money to help orphans friends in Rwanda um, because it's a promise. I promised it to God. Uh, I published a book, "The Power of Social Media," where I share five ways you can use to stand out from the crowd and succeed. And then, right now, I'm also writing another book, uh, "Orphans Bank for the Orphans," because one of the vision I had was to create a financial institution to support uh, orphans. Uh, I,
1: I hope that if you are listening to this story, that you. Send Dr. Claudine love that you pray for anybody around the world who is suffering injustice at the hands of people for no reason at all. That just breaks my heart from from China to from Ukraine to Rwanda to everywhere in the world, right here in the United States. Um, we're going to be back after this break. Just take a moment and just remember how lucky you are, no matter what you're going through right now. I got to tell you, that's one of the most harrowing stories I've ever personally witnessed. I give you so much love and honor. Uh, You're listening to The Forbes Factor. We'll be right back after this break. Don't go away.
0: If you hate going to the gym, but want to shed that extra weight, finally get a flat stomach and tight toned arms, we have the most unique solution. And get this, it's fun and takes less than five minutes, two times a day. Developed by Fitness Hall of Fame inductee and TV health expert, Forbes Riley. Get in the very best shape of your life in just five minutes, guaranteed. There's never been another product like the Forbes Riley Spin Gym, so try it risk-free for 30 days. Visit buyspingym.com today. You are listening to The Forbes Factor. To call in with a question or comment, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795 or send an email to Forbes at ForbesRiley.com. Now back to the show. Here's Forbes Riley. Hey,
1: everybody. Welcome back to Forbes Factor. This first segment, we had the beautiful Dee Collins just inspire us to no end with her words and her wisdom. Then we had Dr. Claudine just drop a bomb about what happened to her in her country and uh, Dee, you just witnessed this. Um, what is your
2: reaction? Um, I was completely amazed the whole time. I uh, recently, just a few days ago, actually, watched a movie about the narrative of, of what happened that Dr. Claudine just shared with us. Um, so some people are putting their stories out there. They're, they are true stories. Everybody's story, even though they went through the same thing, it is individually horrific for that individual and what they experienced. What I love about Dr. Claudine's story and another lady I saw at the Global Leadership Summit several years ago um, is the, the power and the inner strength to be able to forgive after something, you know, going through something that awful and losing people that you love. And if you have the power to forgive and set yourself free by setting others free, uh, there is just nothing that you cannot do.
1: Well, let me ask, because I want to, so we just heard the story of what happened. You came to America, what happened, and forgive me for not knowing my history globally, what ultimately happened in
3: Rwanda? In Rwanda, what happened is um, war, we had a war, which took four years. Uh, The war started in 1990 until when the genocide happened. So the war was between a group uh, Tutsis, some Tutsis who were left the Rwanda doing the colony, when colony, I'm sorry to blame colonialism because they are the one who started all this. They came when we had a kingdom. So they, they destroyed the kingdom. They destroyed the fabrication of uh, the culture of Rwanda. The mindset. They destroyed everything. So they, 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 st- they destroyed the kingdom, they and then they established what they call democracy. They gave power to somebody who, beca- who become who became the president. And then uh, the, the, the conflict started that time. So 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 the conflict happened uh, in the mind of people, people fight that during that time in 59. Some Tutsis some Hutu's took power because uh, we had a kingdom, and uh, the king was belongs to the Tutsi. Before Tutsi Hutu was a social class, was a rich a
1: poor. <laughs> well, just bring me up to the histories because I want to get, you know, I have such limited time on my show. Where are
3: we now in 2022? Oh, sorry, I took you no, back. No, that's okay. No, so where I, um... we are now in 2022, uh, people are building. Uh, we still have, uh, people have that mindset of a Hutu and Tutsi divisions because uh, it's, uh, it's inserted in their mind, in their thinking. They still see themselves. I remember 2007, one of my volunteers here in America, he told me that uh, some of the uh, Rwandan community in Colorado, they refused to get involved in helping my charity because they went to my website and they said that she's a Tootsie. Oh we my cannot God. Help tootsie. Oh my God. Wow. I was like, no. <laughs> I survived the genocide. I promised it to God to help our friends. But, I think, I, but friends. I think it's so important.
1: I think the bottom line for me Everyone listening to this, the way they decided one versus the other was the size of their nose. Yes, the face. How we're you talking, look like? We're talking, yeah. I don't know why humans do this to each other. And D, you know, I'm sure that you've experienced some of this in your own life. I've experienced a certain level of prejudice in my life, you know, based on your, your color of your skin, your ethnicity, your religion. It's, I don't know why we do this to each other. I don't know why the Chinese and the Japanese right next door cannot get along, while the Bosnians and the Serbians cannot. It doesn't make it, humans just blow my mind. We could live in such a peaceful world. There's so much land and space and and resources
2: that why do we have to go to this? Dee, do you have any thoughts about that? It does not um, make sense to me. I I cannot wrap my mind around it. And I think that it, it it would just be awesome if we could recognize that there's one race, which is the human race. And um, one of the things that I also wanna say to Dr. Claudine and every other survivor of anything that you've gone through that you might be listening, I realized a long time ago that purpose is the reason why a thing exists. Like if you're a chair, uh, the reason why it exists is so we can sit down on you. Um, So uh, purpose is the reason why a thing exists. So if you are living, if you are breathing, if you are talking, if you are existing, it means that you have purpose and I believe that people like you, Forks, people like you, Dr. Claudine, people like myself and others who are listening, as we come together and help other people find out their purpose and the reality of what the importance of life truly is and the life that we're supposed to be living doing our part to work with each other and again love each other, you know I, I want to love people into their purpose if we can spread that message more then i think we'll be able to um cut out the hate one hateful person at a time until we're the human race
3: you're absolutely right the purpose uh, uh the name of my organization is why do i exist i believe that before i came here i was somewhere and then I'm here, this period I'm living here, what can I do to fulfill my existence and my calling before I die? Because we like it or not, we will pass away. So now when we know that that will happen, we can figure out the reason why we are here, the purpose, what is my purpose? Because I, I survived the genocide, so I don't have a, a god to go to fight, to kill Tutsis, to kill Hutus, to kill anybody, even though when my mom was killed, I was full of hunger. I wanted to do something, but God helping me to k- take that anger out. Helping other people help it in me to 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 get that pain outside of my my system. So I help uh, Tutsis. I help Hutus. Uh, I help. When my people, uh, when I talk to my people, I ask. I ask them, who do you who do you call yourself? Because I know this was established in their mind. Basically, when you ask anybody, even if you go to Kira to somebody who killed a Tutsi, you ask. Claudine, in my own world, you- okay, I was raised
1: Jewish. And, you know, there's a whole history and culture behind that. When I was 17 years old, I ended up in a beauty pageant because I needed a scholarship to college. And I ended up winning uh, the local and went to the national. And it was in 1977. And I guess... Congratulations. That, thank you. But there was a ma- it was great that I won, but it was one of the worst weeks of my life. Because I had never... Been, in my community, we were Jews and Italians. And we all knew each other. It was not a big deal. I get there, and the middle of this country, y'all talking like this. Y'all have the funniest accent I ever heard. I'm like, what are you talking about? I have an accent. So I'm from New York. And they're all of a sudden like, do you have you ever seen grass? And I'm like, uh, yeah, I, I don't live in the city. I live on the beach in Long Island. And it was so narrow. And then they started saying things like, well, you know, you're not seen for a Jew. Where are your horns? How come all the Jews in my town are rich? And I'm like. I don't represent a people. I don't know what mm-hmm. you... I, and at 16, I had no idea why they would say those things. Why would they think those? What, what, it didn't make no sense to me. And that was my first experience of people just not wanting to understand that, like you said, Dee, freaking human race. sizes, Shapes, colors, who cares? But I'll tell you what, I, I was so hurt and so confused that part of my life mission became this inclusion. And I raised a little boy through the big brother program who was as dark as both of you late in fact, darker Dexter was very, very black. And my mother had a a fit because when you're Jewish, you don't like people who are not Jewish. I'm like, don't you understand? Everyone hates Jews. What, what, what is with you guys? And so I've never seen life the way other people see it and it's hurtful and it's, it's bizarre. And so now we're in 2022, And I don't know if you guys noticed, but I'm getting a sense that people are trying to separate us again. Claudine, do you feel that in this country?
3: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel that. I saw it. I saw on TV. Yes, yes. It's uh, Yeah. My prayer is to ask God to stop it, to destroy it. Every time I see it, because I notice it, because this is what I experienced in my country, since when I was in elementary school or two genocide to high school when the genocide happened. So how, about even, how about even forget race? How about they're trying to take away Roe versus Wade? You're like, wait a second. Is there
1: a war on women going on right now? We not have freedom of choice. When I mean, all of a sudden it became like, I feel like we're at war. And that's one reason I wanted to talk to you because you went and you walked over dead bodies. It is not like it's somebody else on some other planet. And so so
2: D and Dr. Claudine, what do we do? Well, I'm a big, I'm a firm believer of um, the expression, be the change. Um, And then once you yourself are the change, if you can influence as many other people as you can to become the change, I believe that's how it's gonna start and spread like wildfire. One thing I wanted to say in light of you getting ready to go to Greece, is, I was thinking, you know how you said that you redefine words, I do the same thing. Well, I, I come up with new definitions to old words. So one of the words I've done this with is purpose, and I split it into the words per and the word pose, like like your posture, your position, like when you pose for a picture. But the word per in the Greek means fire. So I believe that when we make a conscious decision to walk in our purpose, that we are agreeing to stand in the fire position. And that's what it's going to take, people to stand up. In the fire position, be refined and help other people become refined. That's the only way that that I think that's uh, a good start for us.
3: Claudine? You- yeah, thank you. The beauty of America is the fact that people have the power to speak up. Uh, it's not like a, in my country where you have to say what government tell you to do, to say. So uh, the, if uh, American people can use that and then uh, do not be afraid to speak up, uh, despite uh, who's who you support? Which party you belong to? Yeah, green. Yeah, you, whatever you belong to. When you speak on behalf of a human race, humankind, it's powerful because they, whatever would affect the other person will affect you indirectly. And then there is a proverb in my language. They said, "In uh, When you are, when you have, you have a, a a a wife. When you, when you have two wives for one man. If you see another wife getting beaten, take the stick, throw it away, because the stick may be returning to beat you. Don't be happy because they are beating another wife, because they may come beat you. So America, American people, one of the reasons why I loved to come to America was the self-esteem, confidence. So please use that. Use your self-esteem and confidence. Speak up. Speak up. Stop. Anything you see, don't wait for the leadership to speak. You have the power because of the beauty of America, you vote for your leaders. It's not like in Africa, people take power in, with cool.
1: <laughs> All right, so we are coming down. We've got three and a half minutes left. D, your message to
2: the world, what would it be? Um, vision. We need a vision to be able to fulfill our mission. So just like, uh, I remember that Helen Keller was being interviewed. And she was asked, what could be worse than being deaf and blind? And she said, the only thing that's worse than being deaf and blind is to have sight with no vision. So I want you to grab a hold of your own vision. I want to help push you into the mission. I want to love you into that. And uh, I just want to let you know that I'm thankful for every single one of you. I'm grateful. Thank you, folks for having now, me. You have
1: just turned out to be the most delightful woman I've met in such a long time. You. I really just I love your heart. Uh, and I wish we had more time. It's amazing how fast this all goes. But I think today's today's show is very, very blessed. And it's an important show.
3: Ms. Claudine, a miss Claudine, a message to the world. Be you. Be yourself. Because you know what is right. You know what is wrong. Inside of you, inside of your heart, you know, don't take action because you want to look good. According to what you see outside, take action based on what you feel inside of your heart because God lives in you. And then you are able, you are enough. Your voice matters.
1: Claudine, will you say something to Miss D? How did she show up for you today?
3: D, don't make me cry. (laughs) Oh, no, no, I don't want to get emotional. D, God bless you. You're amazing. Uh, I'm sorry for your loss. I love your mom, even though I never met any person, but I meet you. Uh, I can see the beauty, the amazing, true, uh, true you amazing of your mother. When you were sharing your story, I said I have to invite you. I'm organizing event in September to honor my mom, so I was saying that I will invite you to come to speak and then to yeah to honor um, my mother. We oh, thank you. you I'll be in touch. For I want
2: to help you with your fundraising.
3: Oh my god.
1: Miss you. something you would like to say to Claudine? What? Something that you
2: would like to oh, say to Claudine. You know what? Um my life has forever changed because now you're a part of me. So thank you. You you shine um with your brilliance. You you glow both inside and out and I am so thankful for the opportunity to be connected with you. Uh you're my sister. Oh, thank you,
1: sister. And to both of you This is my heart. This is, you know, as I'm traveling with my daughter and remembering what it's like to be mom. Oh my gosh. You know, I love the stories. I love your heart. I love your mission. I feel very honored that you took the time out of your day to be part of Forbes Factor. Uh, We work very hard to, um, just to spread this message of love, to find inclusion, to find spirits that are bigger than who and what we are, to love on one another. And I get to do that. And I feel very lucky and blessed and, um, you know, Guys, if you're listening to this, your responsibility now is one, share this. Tell other people about this beautiful show. You need, to, you need to just stand up. Be more than just who you are. Realize that you live in a world with other people, but it's never just about you. I truly believe that happiness comes when you give more than you get, because I promise you when you do that earnestly, you will get more than you ever imagined. That's right. We're out of time, guys. Thank you so very much for being part of this. All my friends on Facebook, thanks for watching. And I will see you guys again very soon on the next episode of The Forbes Factor. Bye, everybody.
3: Bye.
0: Thank you for making The Forbes Factor an important part of your week. Be sure to join Forbes Riley again next Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. We'll see you again soon.